Welcome to Let's Play Business. Theme tunes still going on. Welcome, welcome to Let's Play Business, the show that explores how games can make people better at business and business better for people. Welcome to the show and welcome to episode three already. So, Zuki, welcome. How are you doing on this fine March, first of March day? Uh, ben, I am absolutely great. Been keeping myself busy by staying indoors and occasionally going on a nice walk. <laughs> what are you playing and what are you businessing at the moment? What am I playing and what am I businessing? Oh, I mean, really, what's the difference, Ben? What is the difference? <laughs> what we're all about here. Oh, I played a new card game the other day called Whist. I'm sure that that'll be making an appearance on the show at some point. And in terms of business, man, I've been uh, I've been riding the roller coaster that is the COVID-19 pandemic. Do you want me to take the baton from you and tell you what's going on in, in my in my business life? I think you should do that, Ben. I think that's a great idea. What have I been playing and what have I been businessing? I have been playing a game with a friend called The Forest, which is a survival game on the PlayStation. In terms of businessing, it's been a big, big business development month, everyone's favourite month. I'm just trying to, you know, reposition our offer a little bit. Right, so I think it's time, Zuki, to welcome on our next guest. I think it is. Imaginary drumroll, please. Can we please welcome to the stage, Shalina. Shalina, hello. Hi, Ben. Hi, Zuki. How are you? Hello, Shalina. Welcome to the show. Great to have you here. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I've been working in banking my probably my entire career. I've, I've worked in roles spanning across customer services to corporate events as well as now in a financial crime kind of environment. I've done investigations and working on some strategy stuff at the minute as well. Just to be clear, um, when you say financial crime, it's it's countering the financial crime, not partaking in. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not actually doing the financial crime. I'm stopping the financial crime. So, yeah. <laughs> Just to be clear. So yeah, that's all good stuff. And then also on the side, I run a wedding planning business as well. I've seemed to always be that person throughout my career that wants to get involved in running all the social events. I'm that person that kind of uses both sides of my brain, so analytical as well as creative, and it's a constant battle between the two. How are you finding the wedding planner side of things, particularly now that, you know, the roadmap has been laid out? Yeah, so, I mean, everything came to an absolute halt last year, which was dreadful for all of the couples that had to postpone and there was so much uncertainty in the industry as to what was going on. Yeah I mean it's been difficult for suppliers and clients alike uh, but with the roadmap we've had a complete influx of um, couples coming up with yeah I want to get married at like June 26th or you know the beginning of July and you know it's it's really really positive although a lot of the wedding planners are still a little bit cautious but you know we're planning with the most positivity as we can for couples and hoping that everything will just be okay and we'll be back to normal by the summer. I hope it picks up, Shalina, I hope it goes well. So how excited are you on a scale of one to 10 to be here for this podcast? 
I'm absolutely thrilled, guys. Thank you for having me. It sounds so interesting blending the two concepts together, you know, about gaming and business until I was actually tasked with thinking about it. I never really realized learning those skills can definitely have an impact on the way that you operate. That's why we have Let's Play Business here to join those dots and teach everyone something, something interesting in the process. So how this will work, we're going to have three rounds or as we've mentioned before, three levels. First level, Game of the Decade. We're going to take our favorite game on that particular episode and find out what it taught us about business. Level two, Dingo's the interview. We'll invite a guest on, which of course this time is Shalina, and ask them about their business journey and how games may have helped them on the way. And then level three, finally, Game My Problem, where we'll have 60 seconds to come up with a game that'll help solve one of your business problems, courtesy of the fantastic email-in system at letspaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. Level one, Game of the Decade. It is time for Game of the Decade. And it is my turn, Zuki. Remind us, what was, what was your one last episode? Chess. The greatest game of all time. I was tasked with it this episode, and I can confirm, and I'm pretty sure that you're going to know it, game of the decade for this episode is, of course, Pac-Man. Surely one of the most intergenerational games ever invented. I certainly know my parents knew it. I think my grandparents knew it. You'd even know it just from, like, references and shows. It's embedded into, like, the fabric of society. It's like bread. I think if there is ever a game that teaches you how important it is to be utterly decisive in business, it is Pac-Man. Because my word, if you are not decisive in Pac-Man, you are done for. I haven't played it in about five years and I played it again at the weekend. I always remember it being quite difficult. And I remember thinking, oh, it's probably not that hard anymore. You know, I've probably just naturally got better etc etc and well that was not true it was seriously difficult and it is just you do not get a moment's breath and i was playing it and thinking yeah this reminds me of starting my business i think particularly in small business you just have to be so decisive and so quick and if you're if you're not then you will lose if you are decisive you might lose occasionally but you will also sometimes win if you are not decisive, you will always lose. And I feel like that is exactly the same in business. You will not always make the right decision, but it's the ability to accept that and just be utterly decisive in your decision-making and say, no, I've got all the information that I can realistically get in this very short time frame that I have. I just need to move now. I just need to move and I need to make that decision and I need to live with the consequences. I'm very much with you on that. I actually watched, uh, randomly on YouTube, I watched an interview uh, with Steve Jobs and he was asked this question about something to do with some sort of software that was being developed at the time and some people were annoyed about how it had been developed. His response to the question was, of course mistakes were made, but all that means is that decisions were made as well. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at. Like you're never going to play a perfect game of Pac-Man where you don't end up crossing over yourself and wasting time and going down the same route twice. But that's not the point of the game. The point of the game is to survive and complete the level and eat all the dots rather than doing it in the perfect, flawless fashion. Shalina, I assume that at some point in your life you've you've played Pac-Man. Do you resonate with this at all? Do you disagree? Do you think Pac-Man offers a different lesson? What, what are your thoughts? I think what you're saying about the decisiveness definitely does apply to small businesses, especially when you're launching. There's so many decisions you need to make very quickly 
in terms of you know your branding your marketing your strategy there's lots of different things that you definitely need to strike at very quickly otherwise you're just going to get overtaken by other people in the industry when i was thinking about relating it to the corporate world i mean you probably both know from working in like larger businesses things move very slowly so you know a decision could take months to even get across the line and get signed off it does impact other things because by the time the decision's made other things in that kind of equation have already moved along and have changed so then the final decision is impacted another thing i remember always struggling with with pac-man because you can obviously go through the side of the screen and come out the other side i remember always forgetting that that was an option, going back to the decision-making thing, by being able to think in those ways and make decisions by considering all options, not just the obvious ones. The game rewards that kind of thinking, thinking about the world of business and the world of work. That is exactly this type of thinking that markets, if you like, reward as well. Mm -hmm. Just picking up on your point that you made around perhaps, you know, large companies. Obviously, there are large swathes of people that work at large companies, and there are large swathes of large companies that survive and thrive, and yet, decisiveness is really difficult for them. These large companies are, are surviving and doing well. Like, you know, something must be working somewhere. I'm, I'm curious if, you know, if you've observed anything. I think it depends on the culture. I think culture is a massive thing. I think the tone from the top, the, the way that the leadership looks after how these decisions are made and how they take things sort of forward. I think I've definitely witnessed it in my career just in terms of working in different departments for the same organisation, things might move much more quickly in one part of the business than they do in another. I think that's a really good point. And banking's quite a good example of this. Banking's like surprised me really because there hasn't been much disruption in the banking space. And recently you've got some smaller players uh, such as Monzo and Revolut and the like coming along and just shaking things up a little bit. But I was looking at the market for quite some time thinking, what's going on here? But I think that you have a small number of very large players who can afford to move quite sluggishly because everyone else is moving sluggishly and making decisions slowly and being very cautious. Everyone's insulated by everyone else's indecisiveness. Your point around how decisive your competitors are, it's interesting you say that because as I was playing Pac-Man, I started to view the, what are the monsters called? The monsters, well, the other monsters, whatever they are. Like your competitors basically coming to eat you. You have to be decisive in Pac-Man because they're decisive. They will come after you really quickly. To be fair, I think that's an interesting point for large companies to take on board of. Like I say, it is your environment and, and if your game is a bit slower, then you just effectively almost have to be more decisive than whatever the level of decisiveness is amongst your competitors. Exactly that. That's exactly it. Well, I think uh, homework is everyone uh, treat themselves to a game of Pac-Man tonight. Level two, Ding Goes the Interview. Round two, it is time for Ding Goes the Interview, where we're going to be asking Shalina everything that games have taught her about business. So Shalina, are you ready for this critical round? I think so, no pressure. Ding Goes the Interview, clues in the name. Each time we feel that you say something insightful, we will be tallying up dings, adding those together and, and giving you a total number of dings. Think of them like points. And then you'll of course go on our leaderboard. First question, what is your favourite ever game and why? So, I feel like I'm going to keep this really old school, Blackjack. Oh, it's a classic. So, I learnt it from a really young age. I think my cousin taught me, I still remember, I was so little. We were playing it constantly and it was just one of those games that you can, you can play 
with anyone. Having to constantly think about outsmarting your opponent, anticipating their moves, for example. It's one of those ones because there's so many different rules, it keeps you on your toes. There's so many different things to think about simultaneously as well. You know, you can play with seven cards, you can play with 10 cards. People play in different ways. The thing that it's taught me the most is about how to be quick on my feet as well and always kind of staying one step ahead. I think that it definitely applies in my career in terms of thinking quickly, dealing with difficult customers, difficult stakeholders, managing really difficult situations, you know, and just spinning lots of different plates. And that is the game really of blackjacks. And that's why obviously card counting is a thing and casinos will like mix multiple decks into a constantly shuffling machine so that people can't count cards. Because as soon as someone does count the cards, you're undermining the very foundation of what the game is, which is, it's that choice of, do I stick or do I hit? And you're just having to make a decision and, and go with it. On that note of card counting, what some people might call a way of cheating in the way of playing blackjack, some people will say it's a skill that you use to make yourself better at the game. What are your views on that? And do you think there's any lessons or similarities that can be taken into the world of business? I think we might also be slightly talking about two separate versions of blackjack here. So there's the casino version, then there's the actual card version, right? So what you're talking about is obviously the casino version. And I wish I could learn how to count cards. It's a borderline. It is slightly cheating and it is still a skill. And I think it's a skill that everyone potentially has the option to equip themselves with. Equipping yourself with more and more skills to navigate yourself through the entrepreneurial world or through a large corporate company. I think it's just something that those that are naturally inclined to learn more will do. Rather than seeing it as cheating, I just think it's building up your skills to become more resilient. An interesting like comparison that just popped into my mind is like nepotism. Sometimes I guess you can't help who your network is or what your network is. And like on the one hand, like nepotism in the casino mindset of blackjack is a problem. On the other hand, some people will say, well, you know, I know this person and therefore obviously I'm gonna offer them the job because I have like more information about their personality and their character and their skill set. So I guess that's kind of like an equivalent in business to card counting in terms of how it can be perceived through two different lenses. I've actually been on both sides of the coin with nepotism. I think, for example, in the wedding industry, your network is your net worth, as they always say. But then also, you know, on the flip side, nepotism in its true form in terms of my dad owns BMW, so I'm gonna get a job as like, you know, one of the top CEOs. That is true nepotism and I'm completely, completely against it because it's not skills-based at all. Okay, Shalina. So question number two, could you name a challenging moment in your career? and tell us any skills you think games may have helped you develop to overcome that moment. It can be a really specific situation, it could just be a more general moment in your career, you know, take your pick really. So working for this large investment bank, we had a huge conference that involved speakers coming in from all across Europe. First of all, the presentation packs had already been printed out. You know, it was a ring bound printed out presentation pack and there was like 800 delegates attending this event. The day before the event, one of the speakers had emailed to say that he just wasn't turning up because he just didn't feel like coming anymore. So he wanted his presentation to be taken out of the book. All the books had been shipped to the venue. Me and my events team were in the office in Canary Wharf and the venue was in like Blackfriars. And anyone that doesn't know London very well, it's a bit of a mission to get over there. As you can imagine, there's 800 books. So it's now about half past five in the evening and the event starts at 7am the next day. And we had to 
remove all of the pages out of all of those 800 books. Oh, it was horrific. It was absolutely horrific. What we had to do, what I had to do was basically just get everyone to take on a different task because there were still other things that we would have naturally needed to set up for the night before of the event anyway. We were all absolutely shattered, but we got there in the end. So teamwork makes the dream work as that cheesy catch lies is. Was there a game that you felt equipped you with the skills to be able to tackle that nightmare scenario? So weirdly enough, one that I could relate to it was Rounders, purely because, you know, everyone at each different base and you're all collectively trying to work together to make sure that this opponent doesn't get around the field and score. You know, everyone has a role to play. So everyone at those bases had a role to play. You've got all of your fielders, uh, which would have been the rest of the events team that were there with me. Everyone had a role to play and, you know, as one team got there in the end. Also, I feel like, Shalina, that example, surely to the listener, must be resonating big time right now. Because I feel like midnight hour, the day before type thing, where there's been a sudden switch, just like, oh no. I remember being at university, always being told, start the essay early, get it done early, plan well in advance. I never did that. But the best thing that I got from going to university was just being equipped with the skills to just cram at the last minute. In work and in business, there's always these moments where there's like a last minute pitch presentation or something goes wrong like this at the last minute and you just have to like panic and do it. So if you're doing a degree, my advice to you is leave everything to the last minute. It will serve you very well. <laughs> Anyway, uh, right, next question, Shalina. So, if you were a hero in a game, what kind of hero would you be? And, and we're really thinking of what we call your work persona. <laughs> it's really funny because the main the main character that kept coming back to my head was um, in Scooby-Doo, you know, Velma. Ah, uh, yes. Right, yeah. So, because I've always been into like the investigations kind of side of things and really all about the detail, if I was to create like a, a bit of an avatar of me as like some sort of superhero, it would be like a really kind of a, a chic kind of geek because I'm strategic, I'm logical, I use both sides of my brain as well and there's a constant battle internally. I love solving problems, I'm insanely organised as well so all of that just, all I could just picture was like just somebody in a suit with like a massive file, you know, that kind of thing. That's the kind of person that I would be and love learning as well so I've always like got my head in some sort of book or I mean I don't do things like, you know, in a simple way I just like to kind of do three, four, five things at once. Yeah, I think chic geek is probably the best way that I could explain <laughs> how I would be as a hero. It's funny, when you were describing, you know, a chic fashion forward character in a game that also kind of like dives in there and gets stuff done. The first character that sprung to mind was Lara Croft from Tomb Raider. There was this period in like the 90s, early 2000s, I suppose, when like every costume party had people with the two handguns and like the shorts and the white t-shirt. That was just the fashion. <laughs> Only probably mine wouldn't be guns. It would probably be like a book and a magnifying glass or something. Staples. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. Final question. So have you seen any good examples of games and or game principles being used in the real world? So across the career that I've had, I've also managed teams and run training a lot as well. It's one of those classic, you know, everyone meet each other kind of things right at the beginning of the session or the, the course. Here's a pack of paper and go away. I'm going to give you 10 minutes in your groups to build the strongest and tallest structure out of paper. Like, good luck. It just brings up so many different kind of emotions in people. You've got the competitive people, you've got the people that are really like 
in there and just trying to like right I'm just going to start scrunching up some paper and just like working out what I'm going to do and then you've got the people that will sit back and think well no actually how how do you make paper strong what is the best way to do and then they'll sit back and think it through I think it helps you to kind of just identify all those characters right at the beginning I love people watching as well there's just something I just love to do so just sitting back and watching just you know here's a grenade <laughs> you guys come and work out how to how to you know sort it out so yeah I just think it's hilarious it's probably a good first stage for like finding and recruiting engineers is just like here's a load of paper let's see <laughs> so you think you're an engineer huh <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that's a good one I think my favourite, I suppose, team building game was where it was this, you know, away conference thing. And we were all sitting in like, you know, the kind of university lecture hall that's been repurposed for a, for a conference type thing. And they put a box of Quality Street chocolates or something like that to like the first person sitting on the left. And they were like, oh, share these chocolates out. And so they just took a chocolate and then they just passed the box on to the next person. And then they take a chocolate, pass them to the next. And at first you think, yeah, yeah, great idea. But of course they hadn't bothered to count the chocolates and so it gets about a third of the way round the lecture hall and then you can see faces looking at the box like you're still taking one but like looking at the rest of the audience thinking and so it gets to about halfway and then it just runs out of chocolates everyone knew that it was going to be a train crash any second but no one did anything about it but it was definitely one of the most amusing kind of team building games i saw where i was like oh that was very very clever i see what you did there and that they knew that was going to happen like that's exactly the point that's exactly why they did it Thank you very much, Lena, for your answers there. Now, Zuki, I think it's time we tally up our dings here. Um, Zuki, what you got? I have got five dings. Nice. I've, I'm sitting pretty on eight dings. So we add those up, and I believe we have ourselves a lovely 13 dings. Quick maths, Ben. Look at you. Uh, there you go, Shalina. Woohoo, lucky number 13. Uh, I must admit, off the top of my head, I can't remember where that placed you on the leaderboard. I'm pretty certain it placed you above Zuki. <laughs> I cannot remember if it placed you above our previous guest. Level three, game my problem. Round three, game my problem. My favourite round, personally, because I love to see the game ideas that come out of this. So, Shalina, you're really going to be put to the test now. We all are. We all are. Uh, we've had an email in from someone about a, what you might call a business problem. And I'm going to read that business problem out. And then each of us is going to have 60 seconds to come up with a game, you know, crack that business problem or, or whatever you might call it. Dear Zuki and Ben, I have recently been promoted, moving into a senior position. I am suddenly attending the director's meetings and I feel like I need to make my mark. I have a number of new ideas for things we could be doing as a business, but as a new director, I'm not sure how to broach these in a way that people will be receptive to. I don't want the other directors to brush me off as the new person that's a nuisance. Can you come up with a game to help me? Let me just confirm I've got this straight. So we've got a fresh promotion, someone who's moved up to a bigger table or a smaller table, but with bigger people around it. They're wanting to make their mark, but they also want to do this in a way where, you know, they don't seem like they're irritating or so they're naive. So trying to bring some game mechanics into this to try and um, make sure that their ideas are heard on the same level as the other people in the room. Yeah, I think that's what they're saying. So 60 seconds for this. On your marks, get set, go. Time is up. 
There you go, your time is up, and I'm definitely going to go out on a limb and say this is the worst game that I've come up with so far. <laughs> this game makes no sense. But anyway, that's what 60 seconds <laughs> I don't think mine's hit the mark at all either. The, the challenge here that I was wrestling with was that everything that I thought of was like, if they bring this to the table, they're going to think, why are you bringing a game <laughs> to solve this problem? So we need to change the culture of boardrooms first. We need to embed the game into the culture of the boardroom and we need to bring them everyone in that room is now suddenly a player so every board meeting stops being a board meeting and starts being a don't be bored meeting (laughs) (laughs) and this is where things get meta because the beginning of a don't be bored meeting is where someone has to come to the boardroom with a game no, with a problem, sorry. Everyone else around the table has 60 seconds <laughs> to solve that problem with a game. So what I'm suggesting here is that we take the game my problem mechanic and we implement that as a new mechanic inside the boardroom, or rather the don't be boardroom. Cool, don't be boardroom, okay. That's our first game. I mean, the name is a winner. That that I will give you. I'm going to come in next. So, mine's uh, mine's called Spin the Wheel. They're going to... Oh, yeah, I've really missed the mark. They're going to rock up to the boardroom in, like, a, a game show costume <laughs> and a big, a big wheel, like a big spinning wheel. And what's going to happen is on that wheel, there's going to be a mixture of other ideas that this uh, meeting at the people in that table have come up with before and then some new ideas as well. They're going to spin the wheel... <laughs> This is going to happen live. Uh, and then it will land, so say it lands on an idea that they, they've come up with before in the meeting. They have to, like, come up with what was good about that idea. And they'll spin the wheel again, and then it might land on one of this new person's ideas. And then they've got to say what they like about that idea, get positive energy flowing. But what it does is mixing it in with their ideas that already exist. So it's kind of like putting their new ideas on par with the existing ideas and saying what's great you're about your existing ideas and what's great about these new ideas that I'm bringing to the table. So I think like that concept, that premise is sound. What may not be as sound is rocking up to their first director's meeting in like a game show outfit with a top hat and bringing like a spinning wheel into the meeting with them. So I think it's fair to say, Shalina, that the bar's pretty low. So I'm, I'm hoping you can significantly raise it. There's a bit of pressure on you, I'm not going to lie. I mean, yeah, so uh, my game is really, strangely, very close to both of what you have both said. I hadn't really named it, but it could be something like an idea roulette. You know, once you enter that room, everyone is an equal player. You know, there's no more newbie in the room and, you know, the more experienced people, everyone becomes an equal player. All the directors in that room have to submit their idea anonymously, whether it's in an envelope. I just have this really old school way of thinking. I've realized that today. Uh, Whereas you guys are talking about, you know, like really techie things like spinning the wheel and stuff. I'm like, yeah, just put it in an envelope and pick an envelope. Everyone goes around the room and explains why they like the idea and kind of potential flaws with the idea. But they go through all of the ideas and no one really knows whose idea was whose, if that makes sense. All three of us mesh our, our ideas in some kind of way. So yeah, I think I think that's the way that I was going with mine. Just to clarify, just clarify, Shalina, that you're not recommending that they turn up in like a game show outfit uh, with a spinning wheel and a boombox. No, no, I'm not doing that. No, no, no. Because obviously, yeah, no, the geek chic in me would still want to be in a suit, so. You're not doing that. <laughs> I think, you know, I would say to that person that's emailed in, you don't have to take the game like for like, and I wouldn't blame you if you didn't, you know, maybe do that. But I think there's some strong 
essence is there of some solid game concepts to, to help you make your mark in the boardroom. So, so you're welcome, basically, is what I'm saying. Uh, you're welcome. That brings us to the end of Let's Play Business Podcast, episode three. Uh, so it has been a pleasure to have you on board, Shalina. Have you enjoyed yourself? I have, thank you. Thank you for opening up my mind to how games can really influence business and influence entrepreneurial world as well. So I'll definitely be taking a lot of the concepts that we've been discussing and debating about today forward, which is great. Except nepotism. Oh, 100%. <laughs> <laughs> Except nepotism, 100%. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Let's Play Business. If you've got a business problem you'd like our help with, then please email in your dilemma to letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. That's letsplaybusinesspodcast at gmail.com. We will be following suit next month with a brand new episode, so make sure to follow us wherever you get your podcasts. All our social media handles will be in the show notes below, as well as links to my company, Alternate Experiences, in case you want to take a little peek at what we offer. But for now, I've been your host, Ben Fowler. And I've been your other host, Zuki. Thank you again for listening. We'll see you in the next episode. This theme tune just won't end.